Hi, and welcome to the Still To Be Determined podcast, the podcast that follows up on topics from the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell. I'm Sean Farrell. I am the older brother of Matthew Farrell. With me is Matthew Farrell. Matt, you want to say hi? Hello, everybody. Today, we're going to be talking about the most recent episode from the YouTube channel, which was on March 31st, and it was entitled Tesla Model Y Competition. Wait, who's that? We're also going to talk a little bit about Matthew's first live cast, which was, I thought, a lot of fun and an interesting discussion. First, I think it's time for a new segment that we like to call Stories from Quarantine. (laughs) This is the first that Matthew is hearing about this segment. Okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very curious to see where this goes. It's, it's basically, you know, people are dealing with, um, there are so many levels to stress in this ongoing pandemic and everything from, I have an infection in my cuticle on my right thumb. Yeah. Oh, that's annoying. Yeah. Down to, there are people that we know who might be sick. Um, And I just recently heard uh, from my landlord, her husband is sick. He works in hospitals here in New York city. So my thoughts go out to my landlord and uh, her family and uh, her husband, especially who is apparently recovering. He is home now. He's in quarantine. Um, But the reason I found out about this is because yesterday, as I was in the midst of more procrastinating, I was making my first attempt at a braided loaf, and I decided I was going to stuff it with chorizo and cheddar cheese. I'd I'd love to know why you're obsessed with chorizo, because you tend to do that a lot. (laughs) I love spicy. I love anything spicy. I think it's because of our Irish ancestry Mm -hmm. clearly you know spicy food is in our genes that's not true (laughs) i've got nothing i've got nothing but mashed potatoes in my genes yes and it's uncomfortable yes um but i'm cheating but i love spicy food i love any type of spicy food and i look like i don't enjoy spicy food because as soon as i eat anything spicy every pore in my scalp opens up and sweat pours down my face you're also not exaggerating no i'm not it's, he will have sweat rolling down his face i will look like i am running a marathon and i get an expression on my face that looks like it is not pleasant but i love it and chorizo um I think I, I love the flavor. And what I, what I did is I made this braided loaf I made, and it was the first time I was making it's, uh, an enriched dough. So it's got egg in it that normally you might not have in a loaf. Um, so it was a different process of making, and I've made some, I've made things like bagels before I've made some simple peasant breads before that are no need breads. So they're very very easy. It's literally mixing the ingredients and then just, it takes care of itself. This was a little Mm -hmm. more intensive and I was a little hesitant going into it because I'd never made a braided loaf before and I'd never made this kind of bread before. So I wasn't sure if I knew what I was doing, but I felt pretty confident about it. And I went into it and cut to the end. The results are fantastic. The loaf came out beautiful. Um, 
tasty. I shared, I, I, we were having a video chat with some friends and uh, my girlfriend mentioned to the group like, oh, Sean made this loaf. And so I took the phone and I, on the FaceTime, I showed the loaf and one of our friends went, holy cow, is that an egg wash? And I thought, I've got the right group of friends. <laughs> <laughs> when somebody accurately responds to not only the loaf itself but to accurately identify is that an egg wash so the end results of everything it turned out really really great but as we began to clean up and sarah was uh here in the kitchen with me and and she was doing stuff um she looked next to the stove and the way our kitchen is set up was we have the sink and then to the left of the sink is the oven. And then next to, to the left of that is our doorway out of the kitchen. And she looked down and noticed that there was a huge pool of water mm. next to the oven. And it's clearly running. It's like moving, it's growing. And so I just start you know, getting underneath the cabinet, underneath the sink. I'm like, this has to be coming from the sink. And it turns out we have a leak in our drain pipe. Luckily yeah. it's the drain pipe. It's not the pressured pipe. Cause if that was the case, um, you know, it would have been a nightmare, but so we have this leak in the, in the pipe and it's draining out of the cabinet underneath the oven. It's bringing all this, you know, dust and debris from underneath the oven that you don't even know exists. And it's suddenly washing that across our kitchen floor. So we're, you know, scrambling, trying to clean it up. I'm grabbing towels. We're just throwing it on the, on the water and doing all this stuff. So we start reaching out to the landlord and the landlord is not responding. And it was basically like, you know, 20 hours of, Oh, she's not responded. She still hasn't responded. We go to bed, nothing, no word yet. And then this morning I wake up and the first thing I thought when I woke up was, Oh wait, her husband works in hospitals mm. and it suddenly like kind of clicked into place. And I thought it was a, it was a moment for me of realizing the various levels of stress and yeah. you know, up to bedtime last night, it was the frustration of why won't our landlord respond to us? And now it's the, wow, we really need to keep things in perspective and have a lot of patience and not assume the worst, but leave room for the expansion of other people in our view of what's going on in our own lives. So that yeah, was just, yeah. that was what uh, occurred to me this morning. So moving on, uh, before we get into your video episode, I wanted to ask you a few questions about how you think the live cast went. I think it went pretty well. Uh, people seem to like it. I got a lot of good positive feedback about it. I was <laughs> to say I was a little stressed doing it because I'd never done it before. Right. Uh, and for those who, who haven't done one, oh my God, it's overwhelming because the stream of questions in the chat was going by so fast. It was really hard to keep up with it and to pull out different questions. Um, it, I realized very quickly it would be helpful to have somebody else that was managing this side of it for me. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's the moment that you're like, this is why radio shows have producers. Exactly. Yeah. But it was a lot of fun. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was considering it was the first time you'd done it. I thought it was an impressive number of people to show up and the discussion, as you point out, there was a lot of discussion going on in the chat and 
what I thought was neat was it wasn't all one direction of people shooting things at you. People were having conversations amongst themselves and there was a really yeah, nice discussion yeah. going on amongst your audience. So that I thought awesome. was really neat. And it's a, it's a sign of you are, you're not a, a voice in the wilderness yelling into empty space yeah. you're a part of yeah. a community and there's this community that is very engaged and very well informed and i think it's impressive so hats off to you for the live stream but also hats off to your listeners and your viewers for um, coming into it with as much as they do because that's really that's where this kind of work that you're trying to do is most engaging is when you have somebody to respond in conversation, not just somebody to kind of soak up your words, but somebody to engage with you. Yeah, no, that's part of the thing I enjoy the most is the feedback I get and the conversations I've had. Was there anything that was surprising during the live cast? Was there anything that was just like, I didn't expect this to happen? No, a lot of the questions I had a sense as to where it was going to go because I had gotten some questions before I did the live stream and they were all along the, the same lines. So I that didn't surprise me. But I was surprised by the number of questions I got beforehand that uh, people were interested in like me, <laughs> not just the right. the topics I talk about. So that that kind of surprised me a little bit. Uh, but the thing that surprised me the most was kind of like what you just already called out, which was how the chat was so vibrant and there was a lot of conversation going on that wasn't just directed at me. And when I was scanning through the comments as I was doing the live stream, I was seeing a lot of like you, what you pointed out people talking to each other and answering each other's questions and adding their own two cents. And that I thought was so cool. It just, I thought it was awesome. Yeah. So your video, it's almost a return to the video you had about the car show, the car expo, because this is now the growth of out of that, where it was the concept cars and the discussion there was these things can't happen. These things can't be real. And if they are real, we're looking at things that are a decade away. Now, this video is the next logical step, which is these are actually vehicles that are in production that will be hitting the road either later this year or next year. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, at this point, with the way everything is going, I imagine a lot of these things will be pushed yes. deeper into 2021. Yes. Um, I think that the... For me, the starting point of this was what a robust array of vehicles there really are in the in the pipeline. Um, yeah, yeah. The discussion in the comments below the video is interesting because it kind of reflected my assumptions and approach to the topic, which was, oh yeah, well, there's Tesla, and then there's everybody else. Yeah. But I think the point of your video is it's not just Tesla and everybody else. There is an ecosystem here of existing companies, which it's my sense that these companies have been struggling to catch up or keep up with Tesla. But given that these companies are longstanding existing car companies, they have more time than a startup would mm -hmm. to change direction. And mm -hmm. it seems like that's your sense. Is there one of them that particularly stands out for you as a company that is, if anybody's going to be able to make it, they will? VW. Okay. 100%. And part of, part of the reason for that is, I mean, Dieselgate that happened where they got caught cheating on emission standards with their diesel cars. Yeah. Hey, diesel's much cleaner. 
And it was like, I actually know it's actually a lot dirtier. And they had configured their cars that whenever they were getting tested, they would automatically change the, how the engines worked to make them super clean. But then when it, the car would know when it's actually being driven and it would go into the dirty mode. Right. <laughs> uh, they got caught and got in huge trouble and it caused a whole furor across Europe. And uh, they were kind of screwed if they didn't make a change and they kind of had their hand forced into going into EVs. And I know there's a lot of people that watch my channel and watch other channels in the same niche on YouTube uh, that have this attitude towards VW of screw them. Uh, hope they got a business Dieselgate. And my take on it is it doesn't really matter how they got there. They're one of the only companies so far that has poured tons of resources and money and effort into going ev like actually right. getting getting batteries batteries is the hardest part and they're going all in on batteries they're uh, powertrain they're doing everything you're supposed to be doing and every other company is lagging way behind so it's if you're a fan of evs you should be rooting for them because they're the ones that are going all in and doesn't matter why they did it they're doing it and I got excited about GM as well because they just had their EV day. I'm dubious about their chances, um, but at least they're going in the right direction now and they've invested into battery technology and they're building out their own gigafactory like Tesla has. So GM is now showing signs of life for me. Um, it's, just, it's, it's exciting to see that there's, they're finally catching on to what's happening and they have to adapt or they're going to die. Right. Um, so for me, it's VW, hands down, and then a close second would now be GM. Mm. Yeah, if anybody, I mean, it's everything has a history. Everything mm -hmm. has. We are forced to wrestle with the reality of bad acts with individuals, with companies, and you point out, you know, VW having it's a really nefarious act to mm -hmm. say like, okay, we're gonna, you know, here we are, we're gonna intentionally design the car to be smart enough to know when it's being tested so it can lie. Mm -hmm. And they got caught with that. And I would argue that to people who would say for that reason, screw VW. Um, if that's the reason why, then you don't know the history of the car company because their origin is Nazi Germany. Yep. So if your argument is they shouldn't have built a car that lied, <laughs> you're picking the wrong thing to judge them on. Yeah. I mean, in the United States, there's a fast charging network that's getting built out called Electrify America. That is basically paid for by VW. And it's and the reason it's paid for by VW is because that was their penalty for lying about this whole diesel stuff. Right. And so they're investing literally billions of dollars into building out fast chargers across the United States as a punishment for what they did with the diesel stuff. Right. But at the same time, you don't have to twist their arm too hard because they're going all in on EVs. So this is actually helping themselves it will benefit out. Them, yeah. you know, correct. So it's like, it's, it's a win-win for everybody. And that's kind of why it's, I, I don't care how they got there. They got there. <laughs> so yeah, you can reach a good conclusion for bad reasons. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's being demonstrated in our contemporary world more and more. I think it's, is, it's getting harder for secrets to be kept and with social media and the speed with which information gets out and 
good conclusions can be reached for all sorts of bad reasons. It's not to say, it's not to dismiss those good conclusions. It's to say like, we can get to a good place. Well, there's also, I don't care what your politics are. Cause one of the things that was eye opening for me was when I was in fully charged live in Austin, Texas, I talked to a bunch of people that range the spectrum of politics and I've always assumed people who are into EVs tend to be a little more liberal minded. Mm -hmm. And I talked to some people that were heavily conservative and definitely don't believe in things like climate change. And, you know, they're the polar opposite of what I expected. Right. But it's one of those, I don't care. It's like, they love Tesla because they think they're awesome cars. Right. They don't love Tesla because it's going green. Right. And so it's like, I don't care how you got there. (laughs) Right. You got there. You can so take pat on the back. You can very often take a, a liberal and a libertarian and put them next to each other and they will find common ground. It's exactly you know, the spectrum is not a band running from left to right. It's more of a Venn diagram. Where exactly. You fall somewhere in the Venn diagram. Precisely. Is yeah. there to follow up on that end of the question, which was, do you see a company that is definitely going to make steps forward into the EV market. Do you see one that looks like it is just on a bad path and doesn't look like it's going to keep I have up? big, yeah, I have big questions about Fiat Chrysler. <laughs> I, I don't, they're starting to show little blips of life, but at the same time, they're so far behind where it's like Tesla is 10 years ahead of everybody. VW is maybe not too, not that far behind. GM is about that 10 years behind. And then you got Fiat Chrysler, which is like way behind GM. So it's like, there are definitely going to be companies in the next five to 10 years that go out of business or get bought out by those that are surviving. Wasn't Chrysler the car company that had an electric vehicle back in the late 80s and it got tanked for? No, that was was GM. That was GM. Okay. Yeah. GM had the EV1. That was in the nineties. Okay. And people who had it loved it and, but they wouldn't sell it. They would only lease it. And, uh, basically political pressure and the fossil fuel industry putting pressure on them, they killed it. And because the cars were leased only, they collected them all back up and put them into a scrap heap. So there's very few of them that exist today. There's only a handful of them. I'm just taking a moment of silence as I sit here stunned. Yeah. I mean, that's just so. There's a great documentary. Yeah. There's a great documentary called who killed the electric uh, car. And it goes through this whole thing. It's fascinating. You can watch it for free. I think it's on Amazon prime Mm -hmm. and it's a fascinating documentary about how it was gaining popularity and it had, you know, like the Hollywood elites, like all these famous, you know, actors were driving them around and loved them and, Everybody who owned one loved it and it was really gaining steam. And the team at GM that built it, they were all in and believers in what they were building. But the company at large was basically being torn apart because there's the, this is going to cannibalize this other side of our business and we can't have that. And then you have politicians coming in saying, you can't do this. And then you have the oil industry coming in and doing lobbying and just destroyed it. And so GM made the bad call and killed it. But this is also what spurred the creation of Tesla as a business. It's what the two guys that founded Tesla brought on Elon Musk as one of their, you know, board of directors kind of guys. Mm -hmm. And they started 
Tesla and built it into what it is because all of them were shocked that here's this EV1, the future is electric. You know, if the if they can't do it because it's against their own best interests, um, we'll do it for them. And so that that was the instigation of Tesla. So we right. we probably wouldn't have Tesla today if GM had stayed the course. <laughs> Yeah, and it's interesting to wonder on the timeline of research and development, um, a lot of the research and development that's taking place right now that you are talking about in your channel, the breakthroughs in battery technology, those things may not have, they may, but they may not have taken place a decade earlier or 15 years earlier. They might not have had those breakthroughs because the breakthroughs might be the result of other research that kind of you know the, the unfolding of the research might have looked somewhat similar so it's a question of what would those vehicles have evolved into what sorts of technologies would they have been based on and mm-hmm. what could that car have looked like like you currently draw, you know have a car and you you have a lot of viewers who are interested in cars that can go hundreds of miles and you can effectively take long road trips and do stuff um, mm-hmm. would that, would that development of that car have been something that would have been much more of a short range lease only vehicle? Right. So right. it's, it, nobody can say for sure what it would have looked like, but it's, it's That's interesting to speculate as to like, did we really miss the opportunity to have Tesla 20 years earlier or would it have led to a development of a completely different mode of vehicle? So you might have had a short range fleet as opposed to straightforward cars. The one thing you can be sure of, though, is the adoption curve of EVs would be, would be much higher. Place yeah. Right now. yeah, it'd be much, much higher than it is right now. Yeah, certainly from a perspective of just getting people comfortable with the idea of a thing. Exactly. One of the things in the video that I thought was most fascinating was my immediate response to the Ford car <laughs> was... I am not a car guy. I'm not, uh, you know, I've never been that. But there are vehicles that I'm just like, oh, that's a cool looking car. Yeah. Yep. That car is no joke. I mean, it was no. like, that's like, you know, part of me was just like, ooh, Batmobile. Yeah. <laughs> like really like, that's exciting. That's a cool vehicle. And um, and built around the idea of it's it's you've got the Tesla truck coming, which is breaking a whole new look and basically saying, we're bringing you a a sort of 1980s sci-fi future. Yeah. The hard angles, lots of triangles. It does not look like a vehicle that you would see it on the street right now. And the Ford look seems to be going heavily in the other direction, which I do like. Because it's yes. going the route of saying like, this is going to look familiar to you. It's going to look like a muscle car. It's going to look identifiable as a Ford because they're very clearly interested in keeping like their brand identity. And I thought that was a very interesting take as opposed to we're going to be the leaders in how far this thing will drive or how quickly you can charge it or battery capacity. Their thing is very much like you like Ford. And I think you rightly pointed out there's going to be an audience that it's going to be it's going to be looking at it from the perspective of I like Ford, and they'd be willing to go that route. It's like Apple introducing a new device, and there's people that are all in, like they just love Apple. So it's like, take my money, please, giving me that thing. It's like there's people in cars that are the same exact way, like they love Ford, 
and as interested as they are in something like the Tesla lineup, they're never going to buy one because they don't like the looks of it. It's, you know, doesn't fit their needs. And then Mm -hmm. here come other companies bringing different looks, different styles, different feature sets. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is better for the market as a whole. But like, like you point out, it's, there's a very emotional decision when you buy a car. It's like the first thing that draws you into a car is how it looks. So not everybody likes the Tesla, but here comes this very American muscle car looking <laughs> crossover SUV thing. It's going to speak to a huge, huge group of out there of the car buying community. And it's, it's part of why I'm so excited about it. And the fact that they actually have, as far as specs are concerned for distance, it's somewhat on par with the Model Y. Right. So it's if the price is competitive, they're going to have a great, great product. And I just hope they can make enough of them. And I hope that they work as well as what they're promising, because there's a lot of potential there. And before we wrap up, I wanted to end with a listener slash viewer email. We just recently heard from friend of the show, Roger Marnock. And Roger, I hope I've pronounced your name properly. And he wrote about pipeline products and he wrote, hi, Matt, good job with the YouTube podcasts slash videos. I asked about, I asked you about pipeline products, but just realized that it is likely to include AC or HVAC systems. A large proportion of energy spent in the world is solely for AC. So why not do a massive improvement there? Also buildings using solar would benefit from this. That's all from now. So thank you, Roger, for your comment. And I think it's a very interesting observation. Matt, do you have any thoughts about that? About the improving HVAC? Yeah. Yes. Um, that's one of the things, I, I, I mentioned this on the live stream, but one of the things, things that got me super excited about the Model Y specifically was when it first started doing the deliveries and somebody made note of, hey, it has a heat pump. <laughs> mm-hmm. I actually tweeted out like, oh my God, thank you, Tesla was my first tweet in response. And part of that reason for that is a heat pump is far more efficient than what they're currently using in the Model 3. And as somebody who lives in a colder climate, your battery takes a huge hit in the wintertime, partially because of just batteries are less uh, efficient in colder temperatures, but also because you have to run heaters in your car and heaters use a lot of energy. Right. And even though the... uh, energy of what they're currently using is technically very efficient. It's like basically for every kilowatt in, you're getting the same thermal unit out. So it's a hundred percent efficient. Heat pumps technically are over 100% efficient. It's really weird the way the math works and the way it all comes together. Right. And, uh, Elon, one of those details in, that doesn't sound like it can be real. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it can be real, but it's, it's a, basically the whole thing is it's, more energy efficient to move heat from one place to another than to generate it. And that's all heat pumps are doing is it's basically just moving heat from the outside to the inside or from the inside to the outside. So it's helping to transition heat from one place to another. And because of that, it's far more efficient. And a couple of years ago, I think it was a couple of years ago now, Elon did an interview on the Joe Rogan podcast and uh, Joe Rogan was asking all these questions and Elon was talking about uh, heat pumps came up and heating and cooling and all the things that they had to do when they built their very first Roadster, they realized they couldn't use the belt driven, you know, heating systems from an internal combustion, internal combustion engine car. And they had to build something brand new and they came up with a super efficient heating system. And in that conversation, 
it, Joe asked him, like, is there a, a potential future product here for homes? And Elon kind of did a wink and a, like, a, yeah, I don't talk about future and you know, future yeah. products. <laughs> and that got me super excited because like, I've talked about this before on the channel, but like 40 to 50% of our energy use in our homes is for heating and cooling 50%. Yeah. So if you can, if you can drop that significantly, you're going to reduce how much energy we need just to live. <laughs> so it's like, right. there's a huge potential for a new pipeline of products for the home where right. Tesla has energy generation, they have transportation, they may at some point be able to spin up home products for improving energy use too. You combine that with battery power so that you've got storage in your home, you've got solar panels on the roof, you've got 50% less energy use. Suddenly sustainability right. seems like a um, simple Simple step. Yeah, exactly. Precisely. To our listeners, be like Roger. <laughs> Send us those emails. They do not have to include compliments, but the compliments are always welcome. And so are some <laughs> tips and suggestions. Let us know what you think. You can send us an email like Roger did. Thumbs up, Roger. Through the contact page on the website which is at stilltbd.fm. You can reach out to us through Twitter at stilltbdfm or to me at by Sean Farrell, to Matthew at Matt Farrell, or to Matt at Undecided MF. Be sure to watch the latest videos on Undecided with Matt Farrell on YouTube, and you can subscribe to both his channel and to the podcast. You can find the podcast on all major providers like iTunes, and Spotify. Please be sure to give us a rating, a review, and share us with your friends because that really helps the podcast. The podcast helps the channel. The channel helps Matthew. And then Matthew, of course, helps me. Thank you, everybody. Talk to you next time. Bye.